0: You're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans for fans. For Caprizo, back to Zuccarello, back to Caprizo, he scores! Covering team news, prospect analysis, game by game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. Back to he scores! And now, here are your hosts Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyatt, and Justin Baki. Hello, and welcome in to the first episode of Sound the Foghorn of the 2023-2024 season. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyatt, and Justin Baki finally back with you the schedules begin to settle a little bit the wild season has started so we will bring some podcast content your way our first one here the month of november hopefully another one maybe two more this month as we are about three ish four weeks into the season we have a lot to get to we will be talking like all the way as far back as some things that happened in the offseason to everything that's happened up to like today so we'll cover a lot of stuff we'll hit the high level stuff give you those maybe long-awaited reactions but before we get into all of that information we mandatorily have to check in with the fellas see how we're doing because it's been a hot minute justin we'll start with you busy times with the bocky household hockey season in full swing how are things
1: Things are good. Busy, a good busy. You were saying schedules are settling. I think mine's getting busier, but yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a good it's busy, true. like I said. Uh, hockey season for the kids started two weeks ago, and uh, of course, dealing with the school year and everything all that brings, but uh, doing well. Uh, glad to be talking hockey again, and uh, yeah. Let's, let's see if I remember how to talk on this <laughs> microphone
0: here. <laughs> and Zeke, what about you, man?
2: Yeah, well, no, I've been uh, pretty good. I, I wouldn't say for me that I've ever known how to talk really, um. But you know, we're just doing the best we can. But yeah, no, been good. Uh, enjoying having hockey back. With everyone else uh, hasn't been obviously the most fun uh, watching this team so far. But you know, hey, after what felt like a pretty long summer, uh, it's just great to be back. So.
0: Yeah, I'd say the one bummer for me about the uh, the Wild being you know, just mediocre at a start is that, you know, in past years I've been able to, like, fall back on, like, well, at least Mankato's having a good year and can't really do that anymore because they, ugh, they've they had some ugly games. I actually went down there uh, two weekends ago and they were playing UMass, and their power play in that game was over for 9, including a power play that was a five-minute major. So wow. if you do that math, that's essentially, like, if you convert that into, say, like, no, two and a oh, half minor one. penalties. They were essentially like over twelve, which twelve times two is twenty-four minutes of a sixty-minute hockey game, and they That's, lost uh, one nothing. Of the game. And they lost <laughs> one nothing. Outshot of the other team like thirty-seven to like thirteen, and lost one to nothing with like playing nearly half the game on the power play. I was like, "This is terrible." Yeah.
1: well, UMD's um, been uh, decent. They just uh, got swept by Cornell though, which I think Carnell's pretty
0: good. <laughs> Yeah, it's a really like weird year in college hockey. Like, There's uh-huh. some teams that are like in the top 20 that are like, oh, when's the last time they were relevant? A lot of turnover. Um, the one thing that hasn't changed is Mike Hastings still owns the University of Minnesota. Uh, they were swept last weekend yeah. by Wisconsin. I'm happy for Mike Hastings and Mike Hastings only because um, Charlie Strommel, <laughs> I don't think, has played yet, which I'm sure yeah. we'll get to in a second. But
2: gotta, They've got to play their 30-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, for sure. As um, it goes, I'm kidding, I don't. I yeah, don't. so
0: just as you expected, college hockey tar- talk to start. Um, but as as we always do, we're not going to waste any more time here because, like we said, lot to get to today. So we'll kick it off with what should be a pretty, uh, in the words of Michael Russo, meaty prospect update.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a little long one. I'm going to try and go through each prospect a little bit since this is our first show of the season. Uh, we're about a, a month into a lot of seasons, I'll uh, start in the KHL. Uh, Daniil Yarov. he's been getting a lot of first, second line minutes. Uh, I think recently he missed, met, scratched a couple games uh, for whatever reason, but the KHL's weird. weird. Um, having a decent season though, 13 points in 22 games. Uh, he's been getting, you know, time all over the ice between, like I said, first, second line, power play time. Um, so good to see compared to last year where he was fourth line, scratched, two minutes a game, whatever. And then uh, <clears throat> speaking of two minutes a game, we're at who's Nadinov. Uh, he was barely playing at all for SK, um, and then
0: they freed our boy. Bradley,
1: yeah. right. They freed him. They freed him. They traded him to Sochi. Um, got essentially no playing time in SK, and uh, has three points in eight games. With Sochi, actually played on the line with Matt Vemetskov last game, so uh, he's got some talent around him too, which is you know good to see.
0: And it sounds like those two have some chemistry from past like junior tournaments and some familiarity too. So hopefully that will be a trend because yeah. you know playing like I think not just the fact like yeah you know Matt Femichkov obviously one of the best prospects not in the NHL right now but just playing with a highly skilled player as you you know hopefully work toward that North mm-hmm. American transition next year is, is only going to do good things for development
1: right and I feel like who's in the who's in the more of a playmaker and you know maybe we're, we're going to get a glimpse to see what he could be with uh Kaprizov in the future um Anyways, uh, moving on to Vladislav Firstov. <clears throat> Who knows what his future is with the Wild, but he's still our rights. So he's uh, started off pretty well for Torpedo 13 points, 25 games. Moving on to the SHL, Liam Ugren hasn't played, but he's at least back on the ice as of a couple weeks ago. Um, good to see. Hopefully he plays again soon. I'll move on to the Iowa Wild. They're 2 4 and 1 to start. And kind of a tough start, but they've been missing a lot of bodies because the wild they've been missing a lot of bodies. So, bodies are going from the AHL to the NHL, and it's just, yeah, lots of uh, players that aren't normally there. But, yeah. Uh, One good thing is, Pavel Novak was called up from the ECHL team to the AHL team. Yeah, and that did not take long. No, I figured it was just a matter of time for him because he's awesome. he belongs in the AHL. Good to see, especially after him battling cancer, see him work his way back up to the AHL and maybe more in the future. Uh, Wallstead has had a couple good starts, <clears throat> a couple rough starts as well, but kind of expected with the roster that with so sort much of turnover. And then Spotcheck, Lambos, and Masters have all picked up their first pro points. Congrats to them. Moving on to the WHL. Riley Height. he's been incredible.
0: Let the man cook. Another
1: goal tonight too. Just, round, he's so, just yeah. insane.
0: I, I, how he fell to the wild where he fell is just it's unreal.
1: We got him at sixty-four, which is basically like almost a third yeah. round. Insane. insane. He has twenty-two <laughs> points in twelve games, averaging one point eight three points a game. Fifty percent, fifty-six percent on face-offs, and last I checked, he was tied for the WHL lead in play uh, power play assists.
0: Yeah, which t- we could um, use some of that right now. <clears throat>
1: Yeah, we could. <laughs> Kalen Parker, he was originally from Victoria, and I was like, why the crap ain't he playing? And then I realized he got traded to Moose Jaw. Um, that, that roster's pretty good, playing with guys like Denton and, um Pretty decent start there since he's been traded. Five points in 11 games for defenseman, not too bad. OHL, Rasmus Kumpelainen. He's been playing very well with Oshawa. Um, I've watched a couple periods of a couple games and he's a big body he's very hard to knock off the pucks he's almost like a man amongst boys when Mm -hmm. i've watched him play um pretty pretty shifty on his skates for his size too so um nine points in 12 games for him hunter hate he's had a really good strong start in sagina 13 points in 11 games getting you know Ice time all over the place, first line, first power play.
0: Yeah, and I believe named an um, assistant captain this year as well, if I'm not mistaken.
1: I believe so. I'd have to look into that. I think that
0: was in the Scott Wheeler article, right? He did one on Hunter Haight. Is that the one I'm thinking of? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure that, yeah, he was in the running for captain they gave it to someone else, but we're like, hey, we still want him to be in the leadership group. So, you know, yet another, you know, wild prospect that's wearing a letter, like it seems to happen on, like, you know, 75% of these guys. Right.
1: They know what they're doing with these drafts. <laughs> Stuff seems like it, at least. <laughs> um, last guy with the OHL, Servak uh, Petrovsky, has quietly played well in Owen Sound, 10 points in 12 games. I feel like I haven't given him much updates, but honestly, maybe more than I thought, because you know he's having a pretty, pretty decent year. On to the NCAA, Aaron Pionk. Good start with UMD. First season there after transferring from uh, Mankato, right? That's Aaron Piance, where did he come? I
0: mean, yeah. If there's a player that hits the transfer portal, there's a pretty good chance he came from NK, yeah, that's for sure. Probably. <laughs>
1: six points in seven games for him. He's had a couple games where he's taken a, a good amount of shots. Uh good to see uh him excelling. Uh Rieger Lorenz had a little bit of a slow start, but he's on a three game point streak for Denver. Um four points in six games now with, with that streak, so Pretty decent start overall. Yeah,
0: and I think the encouraging thing there is seeing him out on the ice more. We talked about it, I think, on yeah. a, a podcast or a prospect review episode with the Soda Pod about, you know, last year the ice time just limited with the stacked blue line that they had. Some of right. those guys, you know, graduated out. So him getting on the ice a little bit more is definitely uh, a good sign and hopefully will be a, a big, you know, development here for him.
1: Right. 100%. Agreed. And Jimmy Clark had a slow start at the U. He picked up couple points he's been playing fourth line minutes but uh he picked up his first two collegiate points recently uh two points in six games right now ryan healy and harvard have played one game he's picked up an assist in that one jack jack peart has had a bit of a slow start with scsu point wise um from what i hear he's played pretty well though just the points aren't coming
0: I think St. Cloud's off like a surprisingly bad start, too. So I think that might uh, factor in a little bit, too. Right.
1: Nate Benoit, first season at North Dakota after playing in the USHL last year. Uh, No points in three games, uh, but has been mostly third pairing there. And then the bust, Charlie Strammel. Just kidding. I'm just messing with people. Everyone thinks he's a bust. Let's (laughs) slow down on that. He has no points in four games, but he's been injured. Let's see what he can do when he's healthy with this decent Wisconsin team and coach. So
0: yeah, I'm I'm so excited to see what he can do in a Mike casing system. So do we yeah, know what my, the injury is in Owen College? We don't know. I haven't, seen, I haven't
1: seen. I, I I haven't looked into it recently, but he's missed the last couple weekends, so I'm kind of curious as well. Yeah, but might try and provide an update on that if I find one. Perfect. That's it for the prospect update. Pretty lengthy, but and yeah. the one we didn't it. hit
0: on because we don't really have much to update outside of what's been reported, but Liam Ugrin uh, I don't think has played yet either. No, I, I said he's, oh, did he I said it? him, okay, yeah. yeah, I said he
1: hasn't played, but he's back on the ice I think a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so that was a good uh, time he was
0: skating, yeah. so, but yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, obviously this is a huge, huge development year, um, you know, going mm-hmm. into that, 19, I think it's 19 years old, going into 20 years old, it's a huge year, so something to monitor for sure, um, hopefully he can get on the ice soon, because, you know, he was such, on such a tear End last yeah. year, it sucks that this, I think it, they said some sort of back injury. Um, uh, so, you know, you hope it's nothing nothing too serious. So, yeah, there you have it, full-on prospect update. Be sure you are following MNW Young Guns on Twitter if you like to see highlights, more frequent updates uh, than what we have here on the pod because Justin and, and his cohorts over there do a fantastic job at keeping that all up to date. Well, let's you. jump in wild stuff before we kind of get into mm. the season there were a couple somewhat significant things that happened over the summer we'll hit on those very quick try to limit to like 30 seconds to 1 minute reactions here <laughs> um we'll we'll start first with the extensions so the extensions for Marcus Fellino um 3 year 3 years 4 million a year I believe
2: four actually on that 4 one. by 4 and then yep,
0: Hartman don't. was 3x4. Three, 3 by 4 yeah. So those are the two. Um, and then, of course, Freddie Goudreau as well. Um, then he, um, and he was... Wasn't was he in the last season? Or maybe... Oh, uh, yeah, he was. Yeah, Zuccarello
2: was this year, I think.
0: Yeah, Zuccarello. I, see, there were so many. It's been so long. It's been so long. <laughs> there were some <laughs> extensions done. to some of the vets. <laughs> I think that the yeah. general consensus and all of them will be somewhat similar. So, Zeke, me and Justin have done a fair share of the talking early, so we'll, we'll let you kick this
2: okay. off. Uh, just anyone specifically, or do you just yeah, start wherever you want? Okay. Well, you know, obviously, I, I think the first thing is, you know, people seemed a little surprised uh, in a way that, you know, all three three or four of these guys did get re signed. I mean, you know, it, I think w- when you think about it, it really isn't all that surprising based off the, uh, you know, the way Russo has been talking about it since, you know, last spring and the way, obviously, that first yeah the first of all how we know um, you know how much uh, Bill Guerin has respect for Marcus Foligno and specifically and and obviously all three of those guys so you know it's maybe not shouldn't be all that surprising that they did uh, did decide to lock them all up but you know I think for a couple of them you know are mostly fine I think Zuccarello is only two-year deal you know obviously yeah, you Zuccarello be...
0: was two years 4.125
2: yes so he gets a almost two million dollar pay cut I think on that so you know not enough not really huge problems at all with that one I think for most people didn't you know want to keep off happy keep his uh you know as frustrating as they have been a little bit keep his his best butt on the team and uh sign him for it's only a couple of years too it's so not a huge deal you know Hartman too you know it's a little surprised that he uh you know signed that contract uh, considering, you know, it is obviously is a big raise from his 1.7, but he still, you know, it seems like one where if he absolutely wanted to, he probably could have gotten closer to five on the open market. And obviously he started pretty well this year. So, you know, not, not really too much a complaint for me on that one either. It's also only three years, obviously the one that I'm sure was, and I'm sure with you guys most controversial is, you know, the fact that Felino got that fourth year at his age is, you know, a little bit concerning. I think he's been okay to start this year. Not particularly great, but, uh, you know, obviously I think the fourth year is the uh, is the problem with that one. But I think for the most, for, overall, I think Zuccarello, Hartman, fine. You know, like both those players, they're not signed for very long or too ridiculous a cap hit. But Foligno is a little bit more questionable than those two for sure.
0: Yeah, for me on the Felino thing, I think it was less for me about the fourth year on that contract. It was more about a $4 million cap hit. Um, yeah. To me, there wasn't like, has Felino been a very valuable piece of this team? Absolutely. Um, the leadership he brings, the the physicality, the energy, the tone that he sets, absolutely invaluable. Can't quantify that in stats. But to me, I don't know like if he really did anything with his on-ice performance to me that warranted a raise i think for me it always assumed like eh, it might be like a slight bump you know a couple hundred thousand Mm -hmm. i didn't think it would get out of the threes and i think in in doing felino first in my mind overpaying him aav wise by maybe you know five hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, whatever it may be i think you automatically locked yourself into having to pay hartman at least that much money right because you know what what fleno lacks maybe on ice Hartman brings and maybe what Felino has in the intangibles. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, the wild maybe could have played a little bit of hardball from my understanding, you know, Marcus was a guy that wanted to stay here, right? And it's, you know, hey, to you know, our cap situation, here's what, you know, you taking this $300,000 AV discount could do for us, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that that's my only thing is I think it to me, it felt like maybe it was slightly rushed in a way, but, um, you know, I, I think the, the bright side of this and, and the benefit of doing this show now, than when it happened is I think Marcus Flino has looked much more like his old self, I think kind of to start this year in terms of the way he's playing defensively, the way he's for checking the way he's been more physically engaged. Um, he looks much more like he did two years ago versus he did last year, um, which I think is encouraging at least to start, um, which is a little bit exciting for me. Um, one of just, uh, three players who's played all nine games so far that has an expected goal share uh, over 50%. So, um, you know, good stuff to start. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Zeke, we'll see how this continues to age, but um, I think, you know, he understands his role and, you know, it could be, you know, in the last two, two years, maybe last year of that deal, maybe he is kind of that more expensive fourth liner, that veteran presence, that leader. But I think to me, in my mind, knowing the player Marcus is, that seems like something he would likely embrace. Yeah. Yeah. And
2: I mean, I think obviously with the you know with the loss of Matt Dumba last year, they probably didn't want to lose that locker room presence that For you mentioned sure. and that everyone knows. So that's obviously For a big sure. part of that. And you know, to what you said about the you know maybe being a little rush. I think we've seen you know with the crazy suitor buyouts and stuff like that that you know whether you think it's the right or wrong decision, they seem to like to have they seem to want to have that uh, cost certainty up front right, right <clears throat> away to plan. So you know whether or not like you said that might be a a little bit of sacrifice
1: that seems to be how they like to do business. Right. <clears throat> I guess I know they're, they're um, core for the next couple of years too. Um, you know, coming out of these pre c tutor buyouts, uh, we expect some of these high-end prospects to make their way over here. I mean, especially next year mm-hmm. you got who's Nadina of Ugrin all, you know, presumably coming over, but we honestly, you don't know how those guys are going to be. If they're going to be, you know, AHL, the NHL, NHL right away, maybe a couple of them, but um, at some point, we want them to be the roster players, but yeah, I mean, we'll have the cap space to sign some guys. Hopefully, those young guys work out. But if not, you know, you have some cost certainty and some of these guys that can fill some of those lower roles, even if if some of these big guys do work. Hopefully,
0: yeah, and I think that's kind of maybe kind of the hidden message behind these three extensions. Because now, if you look at kind of the wilds roster and what it looks like going forward. If you look into this coming off season and the following off season, they only have one, two, three, four, five, six forwards, um, <clears throat> who will become free agents one way or another. Um, that's Marcus Johansson, who probably walks after next season. Um, Brandon Duhame, who it seems like writing on the wall with the Fleeno extension is that he will be out after this year. Um, Marco Rossi isn't a restricted free agent. He's obviously probably coming back. Um, Connor Dewar, RFA after this year, I'd assume they probably bring him back for that fourth-line role. And then Pat Maroon, who's on the one-year deal, and then Vinny Letary, um, you know, more of a tweener. So not a ton of roster spots necessarily really open these next two seasons. So to me, what this term meant for Hartman, for Zuccarello, for Felino, is that, Justin, kind of speaking to what you just mentioned, like maybe they don't have belief or wanted to put all their cards in on these guys being ready. Obviously, we hope... You know, we would hope maybe a guy like Ugrin or Husinov could step in next year. But Husinov, you know, like you said, we said before, not getting a ton of ice time to start the year. Ugrin has the back injury. So maybe counting, you know, factoring in some of those things like, hey, we might not have this guy ready. And instead of going out, losing these guys to an extension, now we have to go sign someone else in free agency. Um, so I think maybe that's something kind of under the radar that maybe um, with these with the term on these extensions as well.
2: I think, you know, the other thing with, uh, with the Fleinos and the Hartmans, even if they'll be overpaid for their role, they're kind of those guys who can, you know, based on their play style, probably play in a bottom six role, you know, in two years. If, you know, one of these guys comes over from Europe or out of college and, you know, is plays himself way into an NHL spot or a spot in the top six or whatnot, that, you know, they could, uh, like you mentioned with Fleino Brett specifically, he could just as easily play you know, lower in the lineup uh, in a couple years, if need be. So it's not, uh, you know, th- there will be opportunity if, if uh, you know, if it is warranted from anybody.
1: And it gives these guys time to develop, too, if they need be. I mean, feel like who's Nadiav may be the, the most ready, because he's a little bit older. But Ugrin and Yurov are both 19 currently. And yeah. uh, we saw what, you know, Rossi has Rossi's become a really good player. Uh, this year, but you see you know, kind of thrown in right away kind of what happened. Maybe it's partially where he was rostered, but we um, kind of see how some of these young guys you expect uh, maybe make a big impact right away might not and then take some more development time and then they
0: come in later and make that impact. Yeah, definitely. Um, the So, outside of those kind of big three extensions, uh, one of the other big uh, off-season pieces of news was Kirill Kaprizov uh, being awarded the assistant captain uh, or alternate captain, whichever. I don't even know what technically the term is anymore. I think some call it assistant, some call it alternate. I think some have an assistant and an alternate. I don't know. He has an A on his jersey um, now. So, to me, this did catch me, I think, as a little bit of a surprise. Like, in my mind, it was like 100%. Like if I could have put a bet on it at the end of the season, like yeah, that's a hundred percent going to Jewel Ericksonek. Like it's no doubt. Um so I was a little bit surprised when that news dropped. Um, but you know, it's at the same time too, like my reaction was, all right, this is, you know, putting a, a player that you're hoping you're gonna be able to re sign in a couple of years in a leadership position, give him more responsibility in that locker room, reward him for what he does. You know, he might be more of that, you know, Jared Spurgeon type of leader where it's, you know, more about the on ice, the effort. Putting in the work and practice, and you know, we see how many times him and Zuccarello are—you know, first ones on the ice or last ones off before and after practices, practicing passes, shooting that kind of thing. So um, it makes sense. It just it caught me a little bit off guard.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's talked about. He's talked about how much he's loved in the locker room too. And uh, like you said, maybe he's a quiet leader. Quiet leader like Spurgeon. Obviously, his work ethic is—you know—second to none. Eck is up there too. I'm with you. Thinking, you know, if I had to bet my money, it would have been Eck, but um, certainly happy with Kaprizov getting that A. Um, maybe part of it is, like you said, wanting to keep him around, entice him more to resign, let him know if some of these young guys are coming. You know, give his buddy Zuccarello a couple more years. Just do what you can to to keep him around, and hopefully, want to resign the next time around. But uh, regardless of that, um, just his play and his work ethic alone deserve an A. And, and you know, he's mm-hmm. becoming one of the the vets in the locker room, honestly. Yeah. That's true.
2: And that's already his what fourth year, I think, yeah. Here? So pretty, it Feel uh,
1: like he just got here, but it, yeah, he's I know it does. Year four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean I think,
2: you know, the other the other interesting bit that, you know, came out from that was you know, when uh Garen brought him into his office to ask about this. It the, you know, they said that he basically said that he wanted it. He was ready for that kind of, you know, responsibility or added, uh, you you know, added responsibility to being one of the leaders on the team, which is, you know, obviously pretty cool to see that, uh, you know, that, that, you know, one of your best players, you know, that he wants that, uh, that added role. He wants that job. He wants to, you know, be like you guys said, I mean, he already is the guy on the team, but Mm -hmm. you know, like, like you said, Justin, when you, uh, when you give a guy a letter like that, that really, says you know even off the ice that he's uh, an example and a leader and uh you know nothing to dispute that like i said he seems to be maybe one of the hardest working stars in the league so uh you know hopefully he can just uh you know get out of this little rut to start the year but uh yeah no otherwise you know, hard to go wrong with either of the choices that they had so
0: yeah for sure um so Moving on from the off season, let's talk about this first nine games so far <clears throat> of the regular season. It's you know, it's had its peaks, it's had its va- uh, you know its valleys. You know, pretty maybe a little bit more on the valley side. You know, probably not the start that many of us had hoped for or imagined. Um, I think we'll start with kind of the, the you know in my mind would have been the most impactful things. We'll start more on negative. We'll work toward the positive. I think the fir- the first thing for me has been how sorely they've missed Jared Spurgeon, who is injured in the preseason, um, thinning up that blue line significantly. Um, and then also the injury to Matt Boley, really putting a wrench in kind of these forward lines, um, you know, kind of removing maybe a secondary scoring threat, you know, one of your top 5 e 5 play drivers on offense. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Huge losses to start of the year, and it's put wrinkles through the lineup. And I think it really proved to be a little bit more difficult uh, for this team to these first nine games.
1: Yeah, that that was a, a tough loss. I mean, I feel like Mirmus has filled in pretty well where he's played.
0: Mirmus has looked like their fourth best defenseman in my mind. Yeah,
1: he has. I, I maybe <laughs> maybe he can stay. Third, honestly. I yeah, right. But still, there's no replacing Spurgeon. There's really no replacing Boldy. I got to remember Goligosky got hurt. Yeah, he's, you know, has his good and his bad. But when you lose him and Goudreau and Boldy and Spurgeon it, and fill him with, you know, Mermis, who's filled in well, and guys like Letary and Sammy Walker, and you know, you're you're maybe not going to start the season how you want because you're not going to have the lines you want. And you got guys that are maybe tweeners kind of in your lineup. Um some of these games have been tough to watch, but they've also had good games to watch, too. But, I mean, uh, injuries have played a huge part. You, you can't replace Spurgeon and Baldy with anything that we have currently. Yeah, I mean, you know, like when you guys have said with the D, that's just kind
2: of a ripple effect on the whole team because then you're asking, you know, the bottom four guys all to do much more than they're really capable of or, you know, should be. I know Middleton, for example, has been a little better recently, but – you know, obviously, he's not, uh, you know, he's not uh, on his own a top-pairing defenseman when Spurgeon is out. So it's asking guys like him and, you know, uh, Kalen and Addison and John Merrill and all these guys to play above their level or play more than they really should. And, I mean, you know, obviously, Brock Faber's been really good. But like Evison said, you know, he ideally would not want to have to depend on him to be your uh, best defenseman every night. So uh, hopefully, you know, it seems like he's maybe getting close to getting back. You think he skated today? So yeah, on the ice I, in a
0: contact, like a yeah. not wearing a no contact jersey. So yeah. I think he has he's to sit out at for, least through. One more I think game. It, yeah. with the, the tenth game is because he was retroactively placed in IR, so he would have eligibility um, as soon as I think what is that Saturday? I think he mm-hmm. could he could potentially come back. Um, so that's good um, that he's close. So hopefully sooner rather than later here.
1: Yeah, you'd be correct. New Jersey's game, number 10. Yeah. Mm-hmm. New York on Saturday.
0: Yeah. I mean, Zeke, as you mentioned, like just this, the responsibility that's been thrust onto some of these other defensemen has been um, quite crazy. I mean, I don't think, uh, you know, if you had told me that nine games into the season that the Wilds ice time leader through five games would be Brock Faber by four and a half minutes, I don't <laughs> think I would have believed you. Um, 211 minutes for Faber this year. Brodine... Um, the only other player on the team with two hundred and six and a half um, over two hundred minutes on the season, like just, just crazy how much they've had to lean on him. Started off great, you know. Went those first couple games looked really good. And then I think, you know, the the extra minutes, the the tough matchups, I think have kind of started to to come on him, come up on him a little bit more. Um, I think it was through his first like twelve games he wasn't on the ice for a five v five goal. Mm-hmm. Since then, he's been on the ice for eight of them. Um, so you know, n- not all his fault, of course. The expected goals against that time seven, so one more than expected, basically. But um, you know, it's it's been a quick transition for him from sheltering you in the third pair with with John Klingberg to all right, you are now getting Austin Matthews and Connor and you know uh, Leon Drysaitel and you know the top stars in the league, the Jack Hughes of the world. Um, and you're playing, <laughs> and you're going to lead us in ice time almost every game. that he Like I so I I don't want to say Brock Faber's like getting worse. I just think that transitioning is happening very quickly and there's going to be a little bit of growing pain, um, as you would expect from a, you know, still a very young rookie defenseman whose career looks still to me incredibly bright. Uh, we've seen (laughs) him make lots of good plays, you know, scoring the first goal of the season was, was awesome. You know, getting that monkey off the back early on, um, lots of good stuff from Faber, um, despite the, the role he's been thrust into. Um, Let's continue to transition toward the good things. Um, I think one thing our podcast is delighted to talk about is the growth in the game of Marco. We don't know how to say his last name because it keeps changing. Um, Apparently, it has gone back to Rossi because I think he was so sick of people not being able to say Rossi. So I think he's like, you know what? Screw it. Say Rossi. So we'll probably switch back and forth. Um, but next
1: time the R you know, is going to be silent and
0: <laughs> oh, But he has looked so so good um, to start the year. Um, five on five, he is leads the Wild in individual expected goals right now, which, given his ice time, is bonkers because he's played. I think let's see. Um, oh, on the wrong thing. You've if you followed my stat dumps, you've seen. Um, this stat, but all right, come on, natural stat trick.
1: <laughs> One thing that I've noticed about his game is uh, kind of things you saw out of the AHL is where he's winning these puck battles mm-hmm. along the board. And just uh, using his body to separate guys from pucks and, and winning those battles. Just good to see him being able to do it at the NHL level now.
0: Yeah. He's getting to the eye, to the middle of the ice so much more. We're seeing him attack the net like that kind of that timidness That existed at times last year. It just seems to be completely gone, right? We're we're seeing a little more of that fuck you, you know, in his game that Bill Guerin really wanted. Um, Just some five-on-five stats for him. So this is at five-on-five throughout the whole season. He leads the Wild in shots on goal with 18 and individual expected goals with 2.38. And that's in 106 minutes. The guys behind him in individual expected goals, it's Hartman who's played almost 20 more minutes than he has, 1.98, so almost a half a goal behind him. And the other guys in 5v5 shots, you have Hartman, Kaprizov, Erickson Eck, all at 17, having played 122, 143, 116 minutes. So, like, at 5-on-5, this guy is taking the puck to the net. Um, and that's been playing with, you know, an absolute rotating cast of line mates, whether it's been Johansson or Maroon or Foligno, Vlateri, like whoever else has been out there. And he continues to, I think, drive that bus. Um, and I think he might be one of the biggest beneficiaries of Matt Boldy coming back to the lineup because I think it's going to stabilize who he's playing with on his wing. Um, and I've been really pleasantly surprised at the chemistry that he and Marcus Foligno, of all people, have seemingly shown. Um, it seems when those who have been on the ice that – Good things tend to happen. I've really liked, um, and I tweeted out some stats with him, uh, Felino and Johansson. Um, I think it's two goals already in 10 minutes with like a 87% expected goal share. Like obviously a really small sample, but like I would give that a try if you can, you know, stick Maroon with Boldy and Eck and, you know, who ha- Maroon, another guy that's been a pleasant surprise. I think now up to seven points in nine uh-huh. games to start the year. Like not what I expected at all out of Pat Maroon. So, uh, you know, there, there's been some good here. And I think, you know, t- t- directing it back to Marco Rossi, I think just mm-hmm. seeing him do all of the things that, you know, he struggled with last year and not only see him do those things, but see those things translate into positive results just makes you really, really excited for, for what's to come.
2: Well, I mean, like you guys were saying it, uh, you know, with him, I mean, that was the big question coming to the year was with him and in, uh, in favor, specifically that, you know, if they were both, you know, whether they were both NHL regulars and whether or not, you know, they'd be contributors. And I think obviously now with the fact that especially Rossi, that he's a, you know, not just a, you know, a nice player or not just a guy who can play games, that the fact that he's a, you know, a good top nine, top six forward right now in the NHL, it really, you know, deepens, helps deepen this lineup a little bit, uh, you know, because it obviously is been hampered by injuries but is not maybe quite as deep as it has been in years past so the fact that he's you know looked this good as you guys mentioned and uh it is as you talk about Brett has shown a lot more confidence with the puck in the offensive zone really you know gives them more options and and it you know it allows it kind of gives them a little more scoring on that third line and you know who knows obviously uh you know whether or not he'll get moved around or play a little more. I think he did play a little more the last couple games as they said he would. So that's good to hear. Yeah. I think but,
0: I looked that up like the first five games of the season, I think he was averaging like, I think it was like 13 and a half minutes. And over the mm-hmm. last three or four, I think that's gone up to like 15 and a half. So about yeah. a two minute bump a night.
2: Hmm. Yeah, so though that's you know, that's good to see that they're recognizing his play and rewarding him. But, you know, like like you said, he just looks like a completely different hockey player than he did a year ago. And it
1: uh it really does give this team a boost. Yeah, it's also good to see him uh he's second in rookie uh goal scoring, uh, only behind someone named Connor Bedard. Uh, and I believe Rossi's had a, a couple goals. Oh, we lost you
0: Justin know. for a second there.
1: Oh, you got me again.
0: Yeah, you're back. Okay, I cut off a couple of goals, so we maybe lost like the next sentence there.
1: Well, I, yeah, I was just gonna say he's lost a couple goals to being called back, but uh, it's good to see him as part of that scoring race too, and adding that to the team, and 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 just seeing him do what we knew he could do.
0: Yeah, like I, I think it's fascinating too. Like you know, very very thought of as this you know this this passer right, this playmaker, this offensive creativity. And yet, you know, as we mentioned, you know, three goals, second rookie scoring, goal scoring, leading the way at 5v5 and individual expected goals, shots on goal. Like he's taken some assertiveness. So I think to have that and knowing that the playmaking ability is still in the back pocket um, gives tons of optimism for it, for how this season will hopefully continue to improve for him, especially as the wild get more and more uh, healthy. Um, One other player that I want to talk about who I don't feel like is getting a lot of coverage locally outside of um, maybe us in the soda pot who constantly have tooted this guy's horn telling him to give him more (laughs) opportunity. Do not trade him. He is better than you think. And that's Kalen Addison. Um, On the season, he's the only wild defenseman with an expected goal share over 50%, uh, sitting actually team leading at 55.2% at five on five. Um, Been a terrible um, victim of on-ice shooting percentage by the other team. Uh, only 4.34 expected goals against, but he's been on the ice for eight. Um, but I don't think his goals against is indicative to how he's played. And I think when if you look back at it, it's like, well, I don't feel like Addison's been noticeable in the defensive zone, really. And I think that's a good thing because he hasn't been making those mistakes and this hasn't been in sheltered third pair minutes. He's had to, you know, as we talked about the top of the show or, you know, top of this conversation, like these defensemen have had to step up. I mean, you have John Merrill and Dakota Mermis who are, you know, eating up some of those more difficult minutes. You know, he's been better than Jake Middleton. He's been, you know, arguably better or just as good as Jonas Brodeen right now my mind. you know, a top two, three defenseman that they've had. You know, I think at times it may be a little infuriating. He seems to be shooting the puck a lot more whether or not it's the right time to shoot debatable but like for a team that notoriously overpasses like it's it's to me it's refreshing like yeah put a dang puck on net you never know what's gonna happen um but I think his game has taken huge strides um this year I think he's looked much better I think he's making much smarter decisions with the puck seems to be much you know the simple passes in the in the defensive zone better defensively overall he's been really really I've been really pleasantly surprised and hopefully he's cemented his spot, you know, as, as the number five, um, you know, once this team is fully, fully healthy. And I mean, that's yeah.
2: doing exactly, uh, you know, what they asked him to do mm-hmm. with cleaning up all the mistakes. You know, obviously I think he was something like a minus 17 last year, which I you're not the best step, but obviously you can't be out there for that many goals against and it. You know, seemingly I know he for most of the summer too, working out with all the guys so obviously he has the work ethic and the you know the willingness to get better and uh you know because like you um you know like we talked about with ross a little bit with trying to get the fu in this game it seemed maybe a little bit of a similar thing where they wanted the same intensity in his own end as he shows on the power play sometimes when he has the puck and like like you said brett he certainly has and you know maybe the fact you know the lack of scoring so far can obviously just be contributed to the, uh, you know, the power play as a whole kind of struggling, not really doing too much, but he's obviously, like you said, the best on the team at moving the puck around and quarterback and power play. So, uh, you know, obviously no surprise that he's excelling there, but, but yeah, no, uh, it's it's good to see that he's taken that message to heart and that he's in because i think there was this you know obviously there was some merit to it but i think there was maybe a little bit more of a uh, this kind of thought last year that they, they just didn't like him as a player or you know didn't want him and well maybe that's true to some extent i don't necessarily think it's that they uh you know disliked him as a player that they just they liked him as a player but they needed to see that uh, extra little juice or that extra effort to, uh, to his defensive game which has been much better so it's great to see that he was able to uh you know, learn that and kind of develop uh, in the off season.
1: Yeah, I don't really have much to add. I just feel like uh, the one thing I do want to say is our power play one looks so much different with, with him on it than, mm-hmm. say, Jared Spurgeon. I love Spurgeon, but just the way he quarters that quarterbacks that power plays is uh, totally different. Just the way he can kind of walk that blue line, you know, some of the passes he makes. And uh the willingness to shoot just uh it's just a different power play when he's on it.
0: Yeah. Uh and then it's just i I to look it up, uh forty three shot attempts on the season, uh that is tied with Jewel Erickson Eck uh for fourth most on the team. Only fifteen of those have found their way to the net. Um if my quick math is good here, I think sixteen of them have been blocked. Um, and then another like 10 of those have missed the net. But like, hey, he's shooting the puck. He's getting things, trying to make things happen. You have to appreciate that. Um, yeah. Jumping back, one, maybe one more um, negative here before we kind of continue the conversation, um, kind of for our reactions at how this season has started. Um, for me, I think one of the biggest surprises has been the regression in play from Philip Gustafson. Um, came out of the gates roaring, had that huge like lockdown shutout effort to open the season against Florida, and then really since then has just looked really, really shaky. Maybe more of the Philip Gustafson that we were expecting last year, a little more of the one that was in Ottawa. Um, you know, I think some of that can be contributed to you know a you know not very good defense in front of him. Um, tweeted this out, I think after his last start, um, he's given up, I believe, the most goals in the NHL at that time. That may have changed since now, but it was only like I think. Three and a half more than expected. Um, so it's not like he's been like giving up a lot of bad goals. He's been giving up a lot of goals because the team in front of him continues to allow high danger shot after high danger shot. And there's only so much your goalie can do when he's taking all these shots and from these dangerous areas every game. So I wouldn't say I, I, I'm concerned, but in my mind, you know, was there this hope that maybe he's, you know, this elite potential top 10 goaltender coming into the year? Yes. For me, maybe that's you know calm down a little bit into maybe he's he's a solid starter, which is still you know a great thing to have for what what they gave mm. up the contract they signed him to. But um, I guess that's the other extension we didn't talk about. I don't know if that <laughs> happened before either. Um, his three-year extension, but um, and Duhame, yeah, okay. Well, anyway, um, <laughs> but you know, so I, I think there's you know the the regression was probably going to come. It's just it's unfortunate that it's hit this hard, this fast.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm hoping it's just kind of the beginning of the season uh, type deal where maybe he has a, a slow start. Maybe he's a slow start like Kaprizov or something. Um, and, and hopefully he goes up from there. You know, like you said, part of it is probably uh, some of the roster and defense in front of him when you don't have uh, guys like Spurge in front of you. uh that hurts, but also he's also had – Some saves that – or some goals allowed that were, you know, some he should have had, like weak goals. And, um, yeah, he hasn't looked like the Gusman from last year. But um, I really have hope still and and faith that he's going to be a good goaltender this year and maybe just going through a little bit of a slump.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's not been, you know –
2: some of the, the bad goals that, you, you know, we're talking about haven't been necessarily as egregious as, you know, like the Flurry bad goals against L.A. or something like that. But it's, you know, it's a lot of been the kind of from distance, you know, high-risk shots. I think Brett, tweet, you tweeted this, but, you know, it seems teams are shooting high glove on him uh, mm-hmm. a lot more often this year, especially in Philadelphia and then against Edmonton. I know they scored twice kind of from, from distance without much screen. So, obviously, you know, you'd like to get – you would like to just get a few more saves. Uh, it's not, you know, obviously, you know, like, like last year he was legitimately one of the best goalies in the league. So it was probably never going to be that again this year. So I, you know, just would assume that it'll revert back to somewhere in the middle. As you said, Brett, Brett maybe just, he's the league average starter, you know, uh, with you know, but we obviously we've seen that ability to be really calm in that and uh stabilizing force back there and steal a lot of games for them a year ago so hopefully you can uh do that because i mean obviously especially this team with you know the kind of the lack of offense so far just up and down the lineup you know they can't really afford to be given up you know four or five six goals every game you know uh, and have expect to have really any chance at winning so you know not like you guys you guys not too concerned really with that just uh just need to get a few more saves is all, uh, nothing, nothing real complicated about that. And I'm sure once they maybe get their full lineup back and everyone can hopefully get him to set a little bit more rhythm groove, I'm I'm sure that he'll get back to looking the usual calm, solid play that he showed us last year.
0: As we've said on this podcast, many of times, goaltending is voodoo, yeah. um, Suck one year, and, great the next. Suck one yeah, year, great the next. Yeah, it's just it's how it goes. This isn't like an un, it's not an uncommon thing. It's very hard to be good year after year after year after year. Yes. Um. And and I do think I know we hit on this a little bit to start, but I people ask like, oh, are, you know, are, are Spurgeon and Boldy really going to fix the defense? And I uh, the answer to that question is yes. And it's not because they're necessarily good defensively, which both of them are. They they make good mm-hmm. plays in defensive zone. But what makes those two players so valuable Spurgeon we have a long sample of data to back this up Bully it's been more limited but it's evident you know in his small short career but when they are on the ice the puck spends you know between 55 to 60 percent of the time that puck is in the offensive zone which means it is not in the defensive zone which means you don't even have to play defense your goalie doesn't have to make saves like 40 percent of the time he does and right now that's at about 57 percent so if you can swing that you know, 10, 15% of a game where that puck is in your offensive zone instead of your defensive zone, that's going to make a huge, huge difference. And all the respect to what Pat Maroon has done, you know, we've seen a couple guys, we've seen Sammy Walker, we've seen Vinny Litteria, we've seen Jujar Kara, we've seen all these guys move up the lineup, but they're not Matt Boldy. And when you have to elevate those types of players to your top nine, that is, that, that's a downgrade and a significant one at that. So I do think getting those two back is going to be huge. I think. Re, you know, having you know, if if they go back to the lines they kind of open the season with when Buli comes back, if you have your Hartman, Kaprizov, Zuccarello, and then your your Ek Johansson, Boldy, you once again, yeah, now you have two lines you have to worry about, and you have two lines you have to defend. We've seen the tertiary scoring from the Rossi line. All of a sudden, teams have to strategize a bit more of how they're deploying against you at five on five. All that stuff makes such a big difference. Um, and Zeke, to your point, and you know, if he can just make a couple more saves, like last year. You know, this Wild team was so bad at 5-on-5, five five, could not score 5-on-5 five five mm-hmm. goals save their life. They are currently fifth in the NHL in 5v5 scoring. They have 23 goals on the year, and three of the four teams ahead of them have played one more game. Um, sorry, there's only three teams in front. Of them. They're tied with Vegas, who's played one more game at 5v5 scoring. Um, so, to me, there's still a lot to be optimistic about. You know, I think a lot of this can be contributed to. Obviously, we can talk about the penalty kill. That's been terrible. I don't think we really need to hand yeah. You know, but I don't think there's much more to be said about that. It's been terrible. It needs to be short up. Hopefully Spurgeon coming back can can help stabilize that a little bit. But if they can improve that penalty kill to eighty percent, get a little bit more of that, you know, that expected goal share, that you know, that game flow to back to closer to fifty fifty than you know the forty five percent it's at right now, I think things will trend in the right direction. And then I don't know what data this is based on, but one more like thing for optimism. Um, Talking Hockey on Instagram had a post today about the strength of schedule, and I believe the Wild have had the sixth-hardest schedule to start the season. So you throw the sixth-hardest schedule with injuries to two of arguably your three best, four best players to start the year, that'll give you some tough sledding. And the fact they got out of that with three wins, two overtime losses, four losses, I I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic that this team will, will bounce back and find a groove.
1: Right, and this might be jumping down a rabbit hole a little bit, but I think Boldy and Spurgeon coming back will make a lot of better players better, like even mm-hmm. Kaprizov, because uh, kind of like you mentioned, uh, teams have an easier time focusing on just Kaprizov, and maybe that's part of a slow start is they're focusing more on him, and they're like, oh, we'll make like the fourth line, like the Doers, the Maroons, uh, the Johansons, those type, try and beat us instead of uh, letting Kaprizov beat us, and, and good luck doing that. Uh, with Boldy back, like you mentioned, you have two lines to worry about. Then you got this Felino Rossi line that seems to be clicking. Um, maybe they'll add uh, more points, and then uh, like the dewar the Ham line that they've been known to throw a couple in here and there. So, it just makes everyone's job a little bit easier. Yeah, for sure.
0: Cool. Uh, <clears throat> one more topic we can hit on here before we uh, before we wrap things up, um, Zeke. This is something you wanted to kind of hit on, and we'd be remiss if we didn't. Uh, Ryan Hartman recently just named a player of the week. Um, this past week, five goals um, on the week. Of course, the, coming off the heels of the hat trick against Edmonton. 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 yeah I, I, So I thought it was I'm like, is that 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 felt so long ago? Yeah. That's, but it's probably that's Evan Bouchard
2: be- minus three, despite having like three points or something. Yeah. Like that game.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> the, the Oilers have had a you know. If we <laughs> things are things are bad, but we could be the Oilers right now who yeah. are just they can't that's do true. anything um right defensively right now um they and they might. don't have injuries that I'm aware of, so <clears throat> they're just bad um but yeah, he's been off you know we hartman obviously last year we saw some of that scoring regression far cry from the from the breakout season he had a year before um but we've seen a lot more of what made him good <sharp> before you know playing the Super mm. and caprice and that's when he has the chance to shoot it, he shoots it. Um, not overpassing, going to the net. We've seen him bang home some rebounds, make some you know breakaway goals, scoring all different types of ways. Um, recently was bumped up to the top power play, I think, last game. Um, I did see a report at a practice today that it sounds like the top units been reunited, so Boldy, Eriksson, Kaprizov, Zucrello, Addison. Uh, but now on that second unit, I think it was Rossi, Hartman, Johansson, Maroon, and Brodeen, I think was the second unit. Um, so getting that opportunity there. But I think for him to be clicking, you know, the, the, the top line is like, I mean, they've been the definition of of this team season, the the peaks and valleys. I mean, they've had some games where they've took over the game, dominated, like the game in Edmonton has been other, you know, games. I think, um, I want to say it was like the game against LA maybe it was, where they were on the ice for like three, Mm -hmm. three of the goals against, you know, we saw Kaprizov, you know, making some turnovers. So, I mean, they've been really up and down trying to find that consistency, but, you know, I think the fact that Hartman's you know been able to to find some scoring early is is really really good for for his outlook on the season.
2: Yeah, no, it it, it really is. I mean, obviously, you know, I think there's always been you know to a certain extent he is you know obviously um, what's the word? Uh, he's lifted up a little bit by the skill of a guy like Kaprizov. Obviously, you know, no one's doubting that. But it almost you know seemed like there was kind of this you know it's not like he's been just like a total passenger these last three years on that line either i mean he's not a particularly like fancy skill guy but you know he's always kind of just you know like they've said go to the front of the net and uh, as you guys mentioned just you know wait for krill to find me and he's you know able to finish those chances when he does get him but you know just in you know like i said he's not He's not just a nice little player out there. He can at times create for himself with those guys. It's not just, uh, you know, really drag him along. So I think it's been uh, really good to see, as you mentioned, with the clean bill of health, him play really good and uh, and get a little bit look a little bit more like he did uh, a couple years ago. And, you know, doesn't necessarily mean he's going to score 35 goals again. Uh, in his career, but it's uh, it's just great to see, especially coming off that uh, the new contract there at the beginning of the year that we talked about. See him, uh, you know, start off hot like this and uh, put a bunch of pucks in the net. So,
1: yeah, I don't really have anything else to add. He's gonna start off mighty fine, and uh, you guys have hit on him pretty well. So, just awesome. just happy with his game to this point.
0: <laughs> well, we got through pretty much all of our topics in, in a reasonable amount of time. So as we always do, any kind of final thoughts, you know, your big takeaways from these first nine games, things you want to hit here in <laughs> these last five minutes or so uh, that we have?
1: I think uh, I always say it, don't overreact uh, one way or the other, because, you know, maybe a tough start now, uh, maybe we go on a, a big winning streak and then, you know, jump up the standings, just kind of enjoy the season and take the peaks and valleys as they come because it's a long season and they're they're both going to come along the way.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree 100% with everything. What you just said, Justin, I think, you know, obviously they, they did start out a little tough last year too, like this, obviously giving up a lot of goals, kind of uneven play, so... You know, only nine games, so, you know, we'll see. Obviously, there are some concerns, especially on special teams or whatnot. But, you know, as you said, still early. It's a, you know, it's a very long season. There's, you know, especially healthy, there's too much talent and too many good players on this team for them to not at least be as good as they were last year, especially if they can just get a couple more saves like we talked about. So, you know, hopefully, you know, with Boldy back tomorrow and then Spurgeon back, hopefully this weekend or next week, they'll be able to get everyone back and, Get into rhythm with their lineup and uh, hopefully just start to win a few more games and uh, and and go from there. but uh, so yeah, no nothing nothing too uh, concerning, you know at the very least another way to look at this is at least you're not the San Jose sharks oh and nine with nine goals and the nine games played. so <laughs> it could always be worse.
0: yeah, they are uh, definitely in, in in tank modes. Um, on the horizon here, the Wild back-to-back home games against uh, the Devils. Who we, you know, I think that last game, if they kill a penalty, um, pretty good chance they win that game. Same with the game in Washington before, if they kill all those yeah. penalties. Um, you know, one more penalty in each of those games, um, and they have a shot to win that game. So, mm-hmm. um, Devils have been struggling a little bit too. They've had a lot of the same issues as the Wild. Their differences. their power play has been nuclear. Um, so if the Wild can get that in check. Um, with Boldy back. I think there's a lot of you know, some some good things to be had there. Then a tough Rangers team currently third best in the league, uh, seven, two and oh at the time of this recording on the year. So it should be a a tough test on Saturday against the Rangers. But um from my memory a team the wild has seemingly played well and always play kind of up to their skill level. Always end up being kind of a fast physical game um in those ones. Two of the Wilds three wins this year um have come on home ice Obviously, the one bad seven to three loss to LA. Two of the goals in that game empty netters, um, and then a close game against Columbus five to four. Um, though <laughs> they were pretty badly outplayed that game, but um, was it were able to kind of hang in there with you know a big night from Gustafson, uh, despite all the goals that he did give up in that one. Um, so you know home ice coming back from a three game road trip, back on home ice getting Boldy back. You know Spurgeon could be back as soon as Saturday. That would be. You know, the allowable timeline will he be back Saturday? We don't know. Um, but I would say for sure, probably if not Saturday, I would expect him um, to probably be back in there by Tuesday um, when they head back out to uh, New York to play the Islanders and then again uh, the Rangers. Wow, we just played just a bunch of New York teams for a while, huh? New Jersey, New Jersey. New, Jersey, New York, New York, New York. It's crazy. We're just playing in one region of the U.S. right now. So. It's just with
2: um, the days off between games too. It's yeah, I know it's stupid. ridiculous. It's like like we just had,
0: we had three between this one, and then af- mm. and then in two weeks. So they play on the twelfth against Dallas, and they have that entire week off. So Monday through Friday they don't play, back to back Saturday Sunday, and then four days off, and then play hmm. on Black Friday. So nine days off in a stretch oh. of fourteen days.
2: Yeah, that's the Sweden. The games in Sweden, I think, after Dallas. I think.
0: Oh, you could so be right.
2: Maybe, so maybe that's it. But still, yeah, because like, they play
0: Ottawa, right?
2: Yeah. a.m. Yeah, they play, and then Toronto. Okay. I think.
0: So. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes it maybe a little bit of sense. as a ten, yeah. The Toronto game is a 7 a.m. local time start here. <laughs> up and yeah. early Sunday morning yeah. to watch the Wild and the Leafs. 10 a. I mean, I'll be Ottawa. up
1: anyways, but wow, <laughs> yes. that'll be a good. I, I knew the they were game. in
0: Sweden, and I know there's a time difference, but that's the first time I actually looked at puck drop. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I'm pretty sure uh, Pavel is happy, the guy that I helped run young. He actually gets to watch he's the, the games at a normal time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think that will about do it for us today. A little bit all over the board, but it was great to be back on. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we always do, let's give a quick refresher of uh, where we can find all of your work. Justin.
1: You can find me at DE2004. You can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Guns. And that's all I'm going to put in for now. <laughs> <laughs> Zeke. You can find me on Twitter
2: at ZekeBoy, the capital Z and a capital B.
0: And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well at SoundTheFaCorn. All one word, both on Twitter or X as it may be called now. And Instagram. A couple games at home for the Wild coming up. New Jersey tomorrow night, or the day you're listening to this podcast, that'll be tonight. And then the New York Rangers on Saturday. That is all from us. So until next time, this has been another episode of Sound the Fog.